So let's get into today's message. Hopefully you have the outline. We're continuing with our Rediscovering and Restoring Biblical Christianity series. At the top, there's a couple verses about restoration. I asked Deanna to play the song she wrote about uh, restoration today because uh, I guess we've sung that in worship a couple times, but sometimes I'm actually kind of reviewing my notes during the worship. And, and, and so I actually hadn't actually heard the song, even though it had been played in my presence a few times. So um, Isaiah 58, 12 uh, is the top verse there. And I just wanted to bring out something about it. Uh, you should have a... Um, you should have got two outlines, and the other one is, uh, is called something like Emphasis Zero Additional Scriptures. And it's just a front and back page of scriptures about why we need to rediscover and restore biblical Christianity. So this page, this two pages of scriptures is the introduction to the series without the, all the points in the outline, just scriptures. Um, but... Um, in that, I've included um, Isaiah 58.12 somewhere, I think on the back page. And uh, if you noticed, I put it in two different versions. Uh, the New American Standard, those from among you, which is translated uh, uh, in the, in the uh, Orthodox Jewish Bible, they that shall be, shall, uh, be of thee, shall rebuild. Um, so your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the old foundations, et cetera, is, is they that shall be of you. And there's a point that I would just wanted to remind us of uh, about that verse that uh, I have not been able to find an English translation that brings out a very important point that the Hebrew brings out. And so when it's saying those from among you, it's actually talking about your spiritual descendants, so they that be of thee, that is, they that came out of your spiritual loins. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes our natural children become our spiritual children, and we get to disciple them and to a point of maturity and work with them, and that is the greatest joy you can have in life. When your uh, son starts leading people to Christ and becomes a better Bible teacher than you and uh, starts helping cast out demons when they're 12 or, uh, you know, as part of the team and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, there's no better delight than that. But probably close behind it is when people that are your uh, uh, spiritual descendants in the sense that you played a key role in discipling them. You know, obviously, like Paul says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, you've had countless tutors. We've all had Lots of people have helped us grow in the Lord, right? But he said, you've not had many fathers. Uh, because of the, the fall of man and because God is progressing to a purpose, so things are always changing, there's probably no one who grows to maturity and actually starts. Maturity is to be uh, more and more Christ-like. It, it involves being more and more sanctified. But it's more than sanctification. It's, uh, it's also the, having the wisdom of Christ, the compassion of Christ, uh, the understanding of Christ, uh, uh, etc. And so as you mature, uh, it's almost guaranteed 
that you're probably going to have more than one spiritual father or spiritual mother in the journey. Okay, um, you know, I've had uh, the, the great fortune of only have had uh, about, about five pastors in my 45 years of being a Christian. And some of the guys who were my pastors, uh, one in particular, oh, that he was my pastor for nearly 20 years. And so that's nice if you can have something like that. But um, you're going to have a lot of people tutor you. And as Paul said to Timothy, you won't have as many fathers. But, uh, you know, when, when someone that you're kind of the father or mentor of uh, grows up in such a way that they start to pass you in the things of the Lord, then what you've done is actually fully biblical. And uh, there's no greater joy than when the people you're mentoring or discipling uh, start becoming your mentors and disciples. You know, probably one of the happiest experiences I had in the uh, last year or two was the day that Eric Meyer was a guest speaker here. Because, you know, my wife and I were involved in helping Eric come to Christ and helping him get discipled. And the two guys we set him up to, to kind of work with him in Bowling Green were my two best friends. So Eric has a, you know, a lot of my DNA inside him, but he's clearly become the teacher. Like he's far uh, superior to me in so many things in the Lord that he doesn't need my help, but I, I occasionally need his guidance. And so th- there's nothing better than that. You know, it's that whole proud parent. That's my boy, you know. Uh, so uh, that's really what Isaiah fifty-eight twelve is talking about. It's actually talking about your spiritual children. Uh, and really, no English translation brings that out very well. The, the, um, but it's really talking about those that are from you or those who came out of you. And all our mothers know, uh, since the Mother Day, that the children come out of you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, you're very bonded with your child by the time they're born because they spent nine, nine months in your womb. And you already have a pretty deep relationship with them. And they know your voice. You know, one of my you know, favorite memories that I bore you with all the time over and over again is you know, there was a night when uh, about a few, two or three weeks before Carla was born that she was really kicking hard. And, and you know, kids can get to the where it hurts <laughs> the last uh, few, few weeks before they're born. Their legs are getting stronger and they're kicking a little harder. And, and uh, I'm told by women that I have, uh, trust very well that they wouldn't be lying that, man, that hurts. <laughs> and I remember uh, like putting my hand on... on uh, you know, Catherine's ab- and, and, and kind of looking right there, and I, I said, stop that. And she did, because she already knew my voice. You know, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. When you belong, you know the voice. And when you uh, get to a place where your child uh, does what the voice says on the first command, then, the, then you're actually in a very good place relationally. 
And, uh, you know, a week later, I can remember uh, Carla being five days old, and I was sitting in the front row of our Friday night fellowship meeting, which was really, uh, you know, kind of a happening, dynamic, full of the spirit worship, uh, some of the most anointed worship I've ever been a part of. And Catherine, or Catherine, Carla, Catherine was not there. <laughs> she was still recovering. But I had Carla in my arms, you know, holding her while, we, while I was standing and worshiping. And, uh, of course, I was young, young back then and even a little handsome. Probably not. But uh, <laughs> you can always kind of, if you make your memories a little better than they really are. But uh, <laughs> so I like to remember myself as having, you know, because I had a full head of hair and, and I wasn't even fat yet. But uh, anyway, uh, she was just laughing and giggling during the worship. But it was really clear I could sense her spirit and she was happy because her spirit knew the presence of the Holy Spirit already because of Catherine's walk with God. And uh, that's very real stuff. All right, so let's get into the message for today. Isaiah 58, 12, that is, I just wanted to bring that out about Isaiah 58, 12. Thank you, Deanna, for writing that song. You know, by the way, since I'm getting all these asides, which we're trying to get away from, the, one of the jobs of the worship people in a church are to take the, the current emphasis the Lord is bringing through the teachings, you know, in our church we have three elders and four other regular teachers. And, uh, of course, John Gray, Daniel Williams, and um, Nathan are getting better and better. Uh, Dan Daniel Williams was really good this morning. And, uh, you know, to take the emphasis God is bringing us through, through the teachers and uh, write worship songs about, about the emphasis. And that should actually be in the heart and mind of, you know, Byron Burks and Emily Furlow and uh, Christiana Burks and Abigail Burks and John Luke O'Gayan and Caleb Trimbach and uh, other people who play. Now, though, guys like me who can't sing or whatever, maybe I should think about something else. But, uh, <laughs> but some of you should actually be asking God to do what happened with Isaiah 58, 12 is the, the Lord wants to give you a song uh, sometimes from the emphasis he's bringing to the church. And the best worship songs are the, are the songs that grow up in the body of Christ out of the life we're living together and the things the Holy Spirit is emphasizing in our midst. So uh, I've been trying to work out something lately where I'm realizing that a lot of things that I've always taken for granted that people know about walking with God and about churches, that I'm finding out a lot of people don't know that. Like, so there might be some people who play the piano or play guitar or play violin or drums or whatever that didn't know that. Uh, if you didn't know that, uh, know that. <laughs> if, you're, if you're musical, God is probably calling you to, as a regular prayer, say, Lord, give me uh, songs from the emphasis that you're bringing to me, A, in your individual private spiritual disciplines, your own scripture reading and study, but B, more importantly even, in the corporate emphasis that God is bringing us 
through the various leaders that, that, uh, and prophecies and things like that that are happening. So, you know, for instance, uh, we've had various emphasis like grace. We could probably use, uh, and really, you, you know, that's, uh, you know, you don't have to be the Gettys or whatever, but that's kind of who they are. You know, they are people who are constantly postured toward God, like, out of all these things I'm learning in the scripture and all the encounters I'm having with you and all the ways in which I'm beholding you, uh, give me a song. All right, so that was the first verse in the message. We're moving right along. Let's go to the second one, Acts 17. Uh, the, the, um, these, that is the Christians in Berea, Paul was in Berea in Acts 17, uh, at that point in the chapter, he was in several cities in Acts 17. And now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. You know, do we take the stuff that's taught in the church and review it? I would say that a very healthy percentage of things that I have gotten as a, that they're kind of in the fabric of who I am in my walk with God came from the few times a year that I go back and review my notes. Uh, you know, you, it's like the Lord shows you more and it, you retain it more if you just go back through the notes. Like if you're not taking, the reason we paper punched all the outlines is because I hope you're, if you're actually kind of rebelling against being in this church if you don't do that. Take them home, put them in a notebook. That's what they're for. And, you know, have a notebook for each year and that sort of thing. And uh, two or three times a year, go through the notebook and kind of peruse it with your Bible and, and get alone where there's no distractions and, put, you know, put your cell phone in the dishwasher or something and, uh, you know, flush it down the toilet or something. Uh, lock the kids in the closet. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, you know, uh, send your roommates out to get groceries and, uh, and spend some time alone with God with no interruptions. You know, I'm sure people get mad at me because I get a lot of calls and, and so forth that I can, I can they know I'm home, <laughs> but I'm in my study and I'm not answering I, I so love that the, you can see who it is now <laughs> because, uh, you know, I'm not going to answer because there really are some people that are less important than God. And in fact, there's very few people that are more important than God. <laughs> some of you think that you're more important than God, but I found that when I have those thoughts, I'm usually out in left field somewhere. All right, so let's uh, move along. The, the idea of examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Um, one of the, you know, there's a, a Nathan sent me a, an article that I haven't read yet, but we, he kind of told me what it said by a guy that I like his writings and stuff about a, a, the whole idea of confirmation bias. One of the reasons... I strongly, strongly, and people in our church, don't, you know, aren't all complying with this. 
But I strongly, strongly encourage you not to put controversial crap on Facebook. Because it's not worth it. Because we live in a time period where people have been systematically brainwashed to have very strong opinions about things they have never studied at all. And that's, that is a very pronounced uh, quality of our culture. And there's, you know, uh, TV news stations that say, call in and give your opinion on this and give your opinion on that. And, um, you know, what's kind of amazing is, you know, um, I read opinions by people all the time that I'm thinking, this person knows less than I do about this subject, and this is not one of my areas of expertise. What are they commenting on it for? A fool does not end delight in understanding, but all just in revealing their own mind. Please memorize that. And the Bible talks about in James 1, it says, Be a doer of the word and not a hearer who deceives themselves because uh, they look in the mirror and they immediately forget what kind of person they are. So what that scripture is telling us, going all the way back to the tabernacle and the furniture for the tabernacle, uh, some of the brass uh, accoutrements and so forth were, were to be a mirror because a mirror helps you see yourself. And without the scriptures and the Holy Spirit and your brothers and sisters, you can't see yourself. Uh, I was talking the other day about, with someone about the phenomena that many of us, I do not like to hear an audio of my teachings. Because, you know, I, I'm like, my voice sounds like that. What? You know, uh, because you can't see yourself correctly let you, I'm actually hearing myself how I really am in the audio, not, but how I think I hear myself, you know, is a different thing. And it's, you know, the same thing when you look in the mirror, you know, like I, sometimes I think I'm really handsome, then I look in the mirror and go, oh, not so much. Uh, <laughs> but, but at least I can do what I, like, it, oh, I, I need a haircut. So, you know, when you're bald, you just use the, you know, the beard trimmer and uh, I, you know, do that once a week. It's, there's no real haircut you can have when you're bald except just to cut it all off. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but back when I had hair, you know, I would look in the mirror and say, oh, okay, I need to comb my hair. And then if I, like, breathe and the mirror cracked, I, I, I probably need to use some mouthwash and, and brush my teeth. That's, that, that's what the mirror is for, and that's what the Word of God is for. The Word of God sometimes says, you really need to brush your teeth. You have a, you know, breath, spirit, wind. Your breath, it stinks. It's, it's not very pure flow of the Holy Spirit right now. You know, like when uh, the sons of thunder uh, asked Jesus, shall we call down fire on them? You know, Jesus is like, you don't know what spirit you're of. You, probably, you need to go look in the mirror. <laughs> he didn't say that at the time, but, you know, that would have been good advice. But he was being a mirror to them. He's saying, you don't, like, let me show you yourself. You don't really see what spirit you're coming from. That, I haven't taught you that spirit. You didn't get that spirit from my father. That's not the Holy Spirit. So guess what? 
you know, like if you can do the math, that's a different spirit. One that you probably don't want to cultivate. Right? So, um, one of the reasons we have to have that ongoing relationship with Scripture is, is you know, Stephen's, one of his favorite verses was Hebrews 4.12 says, the Word of God, this is going to be one of the messages in this section on, I think in two or three weeks we're going to talk about Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is living. It's not just the, you know, I, I like, for instance, I, there's a socialist anti-Christian author named John Steinbeck who was my f- favorite novelist because of the quality of his writing and how powerfully he communicates his socialistic anti-Christian message. <laughs> uh, I don't like the message, I like, but I do like his writing, and he's a good storyteller, and he really is a great uh, developer of character and so forth. Of course, he's gone on to his eternal lack of reward. But, um, uh, you know, there's a monument to John Steinbeck actually in, in uh, St. Petersburg, in, in what's called Red Square, because uh, uh, Joseph Stalin and, and, Nick, and Lenin, they both, they really loved John Steinbeck. And, um, but um, I forgot the point I was going to make about Steinbeck. Oh, I, I'm, I was just going to make the point that, you know, the words, um, wor- words are actually weapons, you know, one of my favorite book is, books is a book called 16 Books That Changed the World. And the opening line of the book in the forward or introduction are, is, words are weapons. Words are living. You know, death, in Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, people who talk a lot like me Sin is unavoidable. The Proverbs even tell us that. The more you talk, the more things you're going to say that you shouldn't have said. Uh, Hopefully you're uh, growing in Christ and that would be reflected in your batting average in terms of how many of the words that you speak are actually helpful, edifying, and godly and so forth and not hurtful. People, uh, a lot of times words are hurtful. They're swords. You know, the, the words of a gossiper are like dainty morsels going, penetrating to the innermost part of the being. Did you ever eat like some sugary um, candy or whatever and to the point where you're like, oh man, I wish I hadn't ate that, <laughs> right? Um, I've been, on, I've been uh, on a muffin kick lately and I... About 6 o'clock this morning, I ate a blueberry muffin. Boy, are they good. And they're like 450 calories, and they're just sugar and white flour. It's a dessert for breakfast. And uh, I should have called John Gray. He likes to eat dessert. Or, so uh, he could have eaten half of the muffin and say, save me 225 calories. Um, so words are weapons and so what you know we're going to be looking at for the next oh 10 20 weeks is the word of god so today let's look at the idea of rediscovering and restoring all the scriptures as the word of god now so what that uh you know learning to read the reverse negative i went you know i did not stay focused today so we're way past time i apologize but uh, if i can get through some of this 
Uh, it'll be just get us acclimated so we can pick it up better next week. When we're saying rediscovering and restoring that all Scripture is inspired by God, I'm saying there are things in our minds, in our hearts, there are things in our contemporary Christianity that have undermined our ability to think about all Scripture together. So I, I am, what I'm trying to tell us is that almost every uh, Christian would espouse one of the foundational doctrines we'll be studying called the plenary inspiration of Scripture, that all Scripture is God-breathed. Uh, he, he supervised, superseded, um, uh, oversaw the, the, the conception of the Scripture, the writing of it, and so forth. God works in such a way that he sanctifies and calls the people uh, and he moves through them in such a way as that the Bible is, is God's word, every jot, every tittle. And it's without error. And, it, and when we say it's infallible, what we're actually saying is that it, it's not that it, we're not just saying it doesn't have any mistakes. You know, you're fallible. We would say you make mistakes. Uh, you don't always come through. You're not there when you were supposed to be there. Or whatever. But the, the Bible's doctrine of infallibility is found in Isaiah 55, it, it, that it doesn't come back to the Lord without accomplishing the purpose for which it's sent. That is, the Word of God always accomplishes the powerful things God wants to do with it. So we'll be looking at that in weeks to come. And I, I'm actually going to wind down and, uh, and apologize for... You know, I, I, got, I did want to say something about Mother's Day and about, and about what a great blessing the wedding was, but I probably spent too long on those, so I apologize. But um, in terms of the Scripture, what I want to tell us is that there are lots of things that are in contemporary Christianity, and you have been influenced by them. You know, I'm looking out, and I see... Uh, you know, say Teresa Maddox, and I see Stephen Leopold, and I see Emily Furlow and Leah Gray. All of you have had various things that have stolen away from you uh, the ability to look at Scripture as all Scripture is breathed out by God. And so there's things like if almost all Bible-believing churches read a lot more of the New Testament than they read of the Old. And they don't know how to use the Old Testament to understand the New, and how to use the New to understand the Old. But they are both written in such a way is the key to understanding the Old Testament is, is the New Testament. And the key to understanding the New Testament is the Old Testament. And you cannot understand the Gospels, nor the Epistles, and there's only those two types of books. Well, well Book of Acts, there's... You can't understand the five historical books or the 22 letters of the New Testament because even Revelation is apocalyptic style, but it's a, it's a letter to seven churches. You can't understand them without understanding thoroughly the Old Testament. Now, there's a doctrine called the clarity of Scripture that we'll be visiting, which basically tells you when you first read Acts or Matthew or the letter to the Galatians, you will see some things clearly, 
but you can't really get to, to the meat of it. You can't really understand it comprehensively. You can't get the full value without the key that unlocks the door to the New Testament, which is called the Old Testament. And so there are, um, there are uh, things from uh, low expectations of how much time we're supposed to study Scripture. Uh, not having the, no one's ha ever helped us learn how to study Scripture. What we should be looking for. Then there are things called paradigms, uh, and so the, there's a thing called hermeneutics, which is, I know, a big word, and everyone hates big words in modern times, and you know, let's just play with marbles, and, you know, and uh, put our marbles in the bag or something. But, uh, but anyway, the, there's, there's all kind of ways of interpreting scripture. Hermeneutics is just the study of how to interpret what you're reading. So there's principles like Christ is the meaning of all Scripture, and he taught us that, and we'll, we'll go over that in the weeks to come. And you can't understand the Scripture without being given some of the ways to how to interpret it. Uh, you know, I liked Amber Poon, who was at one time Amber Johnson, when I met her very much. And so uh, when she first started coming to the church, I did about five messages in a row that were designed to, to illustrate how to use the Old Testament to understand the New, because she came from a tradition where they just used the New Testament mostly, right? So, uh, you know, I just did that as a, you know, like a desire to serve and, and uh, help, and uh, it was helpful for her. So, we'll be, we'll be looking at the idea of... Um, that there are a lot of things that have actually stolen your Old Testament from you, and I want to give it back. So that my goal in the next uh, 20 weeks or so is going to be to give you back your whole Bible. And, uh, and so that uh, when you read the Bible, you're much more excited, kind of like I get when uh, you know, someone buys good quality ice cream. Uh, or uh, we've ordered pizza and, you know, we've been busy for the last eight hours, so we're really hungry. Uh, I want you to get a hunger for the word. Uh, you, you'd have to complete the, you know, you don't just kill Goliath with, a, with your, you know, a slingshot and, your, and uh, the, they didn't have the kind of slingshots like this. They, it was more of a thing where you kind of did this and you flung it. But after that stone sinks into your enemy's head, I want to help you learn how to be really clean, neat, and efficient when you chop the head off. And that's something like if you're little Levi or Daniel, I want to teach you how to chop the giant's head off. <laughs> you know, like when I read bedtime stories to my boys when they were, when they were five or six, I would read them to them about Eglon, the, the, the uh, um, king of Moab, and the, the scripture says, Eglon was a very fat man, fatter than daddy. And, uh, <laughs> and Ehud hit, hit a sword on his side. And uh, he, you know, he told the king he had a message from God for him. And uh, the, he took Eglon into his inner chamber, closed the door so there'd be no, none of Eglon's guards around to help him or anything. And then he thrust the sword through him. 
I guess the message was God doesn't like you very much. <laughs> God's a little ticked and he's going to kill you. And I, I guess he did. And the, and the Bible describes how he's thrusted in so far that the refuse ran out. <laughs> Isn't that a delight? Let's go to lunch. Uh, no. <laughs> and, uh, the, and that's the kind of story that you tell little boys because they love little stories like that. <laughs> that's a dad thing. But uh, <laughs> I, I, that was, you know, like one of my favorite bedtime stories for the boys when they were little. Um, and uh, then I would tell them some alternate words for refuse. And, uh, and that would be their Bible lesson for today. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, anyway, so we'll pick up next week, and I'll be more disciplined uh, next week, I promise, and a little bit less uh, tired. And uh, By the way, that reminds me, there's a couple things that I want, I want to tell you. Look for, sometime in the next two weeks, you'll get some details about this, but we have decided that I'm going to be uh, working with Josiah to get... Uh, I think we're going to actually ask David Furlow to do this with me, but we're going to, I'm going to actually just record, uh, like stand up here like there is someone in the audience. When we did the Holy Spirit series, there was just one person recording it, and I just pretended there were people in the pews. You know, some of the footage I've seen about the COVID thing is churches have actually been putting like pictures of people in the pews so the, so the pastor can kind of think like I'm actually talking to an audience a little bit more. But in any case, uh, we're going to have a separate weekly teaching that will only be available on the podcast and on the video cast. It won't be done in front of a live audience, but you can watch it, and we're going to have it posted by Saturday night, which will be a teaching about the scripture readings for that week. And so if you want to watch that Saturday night, We'll keep it under an hour long. We'll probably try to shoot for more like a half hour. If I, if I, and you know, we're working on some things that Christiana has suggested to me that uh, I'm, this this week notwithstanding, if you've noticed, most weeks lately I've been able to stay more on target and and get more of the information out in in lesser time. So I'm I'm actually working on on uh, making some changes that'll help me do that. Uh, some of you who like the tangents better will be disappointed, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, hopefully we'll actually be getting out of here before noon in the future. So let's get Amish up here, and, and uh, despite how long it was, there were some good points that if you t- keep, keep them, they'll be helpful to you.